Welcome to The Thriving Christian Artist, the podcast where we hope you connect with God to bust through the roadblocks that have held you back for years, create the work you love, and really live the life you know God created you to live as an artist in His kingdom. I'm Matt Tommy, your host. Let's get started. Well, hey, everybody, it's Matt Tommy, and I'm so glad that you're with me on the podcast today. I've got with me my friend Stephen St. Clair, who is an incredible painter uh, right here in the River Arts District in Asheville, North Carolina, and just so excited to share his story with you today because I've gotten to know him over the years and uh, just what an incredible story of not only creativity, but entrepreneurship that he has to share. And so, Stephen, really glad that you're on today, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I always like to start with this kind of thing with people that are in the situation you and I are in, which is, you know, you got a studio and gallery now and all this sort of thing. And people walk in and they're like, wow, this is, you're like living the dream. Has it always, (laughs) has it always been like this? And, and I'm always like, no, it's not. There's a story behind it. So I would love to hear a little bit of the ramp up, you know, of how you got to where you are now, because again, for those that don't know, the river arts district is one of the premier art destinations in the country. And uh, Stephen is uh, right here with me on the other side of the district has a beautiful studio. And um, how'd you get here? How do you do what you do? Um, well, uh, you asked for the story, so I'll, I'll start at the beginning. <laughs> um, when I was a, when I was a kid, I think, um, dang, I'm, I'm sure I had some form of ADD before they even knew what ADD was. Right. Uh, uh, one of those kids where it's like, mom, what can I do? Mom, what can I do? Mom, what can I do? And she started, you know, giving me chores. Um, so I, I learned that if I, um, uh, went to, uh, my room and drew something, I'd get out of chores and she'd always put the drawings up on the refrigerator. <laughs> um, so she very quickly learned that, um, and this was like back in the, I'm old, you know, this was back in the <laughs> 1960s. Uh, so, you know, my mom, like most moms then were stay at home. Um, and so I was always in her hair. So very quickly she learned that, you know, when I came to her and asked her, what can I do? I'm bored. <laughs> um, you know, she said, well, why don't you go draw me something or paint something? Well, and I would. And I'd be gone for a couple of hours. And I, and I very quickly learned that, uh, two things, that um, drawing and painting took me somewhere else. It, like, fueled my imagination. I could draw mm. pretend places. Um, and, uh, it, I, I mean, I had a blast. But the other thing was that because I was drawing so much, um, honestly, I, I became good at it. And uh, when I was in uh, grade school, (laughs) first day of first grade, first day of real PE, um, I realized that I just honestly, um, I I stink at sports. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. You know, that that kid, that legendary kid that's always the last one chosen for the team. Well, that was me. Wow. Yeah, and I remember times when the two team captains would argue about who got me yesterday. <laughs> and the coach would, like, assign me to the, the poor guy that, you know, lost the draw, I guess. And that was cru- – I mean, really, I laugh about it now, but when I think about it too long, it still really crushes me. Oh, sure. But what I found was that in art class, uh, 
that same that same year of school, first grade, and this was all the way through through high school. Um, art class, those same guys that would um, insult me on the baseball diamond would um, would come over to my desk and say like, "Man, how did you do that?" And that felt good, and I realized, "Wow, this is." This is me. This is this is how I get attention. This is how I validate um, being here, breathing air. Um, uh, so art really became my whole um, uh, what? Well, crutch, really. Yeah, yeah. And that wasn't that wasn't good. I have more to say about that later. But um, and then so I I kept. I kept um, drawing and painting and learning. I, I took art classes. I went to a um, design um, college in uh, California, Art Center College of Design, and took a lot of art classes and learned basically uh, a lot of fundamentals, um, uh, color theory and art history and all these classes that would be really boring to most people but weren't to me because those those fundamentals gave me the tools later on to use to do what I'm doing right now. Right. Um, fast forward many years. Um, you know, I got married and we ended up having four kids and art, um, became a, um, a side, you know, just a, a very minor hobby at that point for those years, but I never gave it up because it was too much fun. I was, still painting oil paintings, um, painting murals on our, on our walls, um, in our homes that we, uh, moved around to. Um, we ended up living in Orlando, Florida and a friend of mine from work at lunchtime went into an art gallery there and he came back and said, Hey, do you want to be in an art gallery? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah, he says, no, really. I talked to the owner. I, I think your work would fit in, um, uh, really well here and he wants to talk to you. So long story short, um, uh, for about three years, I was in an art gallery in Orlando, Florida. And although Orlando, Florida is not known as an arts destination right. by any stretch of the, uh, imagination. Um, uh, I sold a fair amount of artwork there. So that was like really encouraging. It's, it's one thing to enjoy painting, but it's a really validating thing when you, you realize Dang, people are willing to part with a lot of money for absolutely, artwork, you know. Yeah. Um, so that was really that was really fun. So then it became a um, a very very serious hobby, um, kind of part time uh, type of thing. I was painting. I remember in our home there, our kids would get home from uh, from school, and uh, I get home from work, and as soon as I got home from work, well, my wife Joy's making dinner the kids are doing their homework around the dining room table and i was in the living room painting wow oh and every weekend since we got uh you know saturdays i was painting since we got home from church on sundays i was painting so i was spending a lot of time learning and growing um as a painter there um uh and had the validation of being able to sell a lot of what i was actually painting at that time and right around that time, uh, the, the end of our stay in Orlando, before we moved to Asheville, I found a job, and this was a big thing. I found a job that let me work from home and that let me have flexible hours. So that mm -hmm. meant 
if I started at 7.30 and ate lunch while I was working, I could be done at 3.30. So that would give me, I mean, realistically, that gave me, I didn't have to commute. So that would say in Orlando, that saves uh, about an hour to an hour and a half. Sure. So you got a whole other day now to pay. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then I was really able to uh, turn up the volume in a sense. And then we moved to um, Asheville. And I didn't move to Asheville for the art scene. I really, I didn't know about it. Wow. Um, I, at that point in time, again, through another friend, he was in a, uh, I was at a wedding, randomly at a wedding, sitting um, in next to a guy that was a photographer who had some work in a gallery here in Asheville. And he asked what I did. I asked what he did. And he said, you should get your work. I, I could probably get your work in, um, in this gallery. So I did. Um, and then, uh, I, uh, met, uh, a man that became a, a good friend of mine, uh, Phil D'Angelo. And he said, um, why do you have your work in a gallery? You could have a studio. But, um, I, I, I mean, I was making right, you know, my salary at that point was like right on the edge. I couldn't afford to pay, you know, 200 or 300 or $400 for a studio and not sell a painting I, I i needed to that seemed very unwise to me i just right. didn't yeah yeah so he said look i'm not using this wall over i think you <laughs> 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 were just really generous and he said look take this wall mm. just a little like six foot section of wall he says if you this will be a good start if you if you sell um if you sell something then kicking something for rent if you don't sell anything you don't owe me anything wow that was um, a huge gift. Uh, that got me started. Absolutely. And, um, and uh, there was never a month when I wasn't able to kick in something for rent. And then pretty soon I was taking over more walls and more and more and building some walls. And uh, now you have your own studio, which is incredible. So. <laughs> hey, you know, you're describing room. <laughs> you know, you're describing what I tell people in the mentoring program all the time, I call it the bridge. And for some people it's really short for some people it's long It you know, it just depends on your situation, but yeah. this situation where you're in your kitchen or you're in your dining room and that's your studio and you're doing it on the side. And then, you know, you're now you're painting in the afternoons and now you get the part-time job and you got more time and all that. I did the same thing. I mean, I, yeah. I, I made baskets twice a year for a long time and then I did it in my garage and then, you know, it just started growing. But what do you think, you know, as you, as you take that time period of your life, what do you think was the real or a couple of things that were really crucial in that point that if you had not done those things, you would not be where you are today? Um, boy, good question. I, I think one of those things well, to, one of those things I've already mentioned, and that is, you know, being able to um, uh, have a a job that allowed me some some time freedom, where I wasn't it wasn't an uh, eight to five desk job. Right. Uh, that was huge. But the other thing was um, more a uh, personal kind of slash spiritual uh, thing that happened to me. Um, Actually, it started when I was going to college, um, and that was a huge shift in how I viewed 
um, my ability to do art uh, because up until that point, I'll actually, it, it began in high school. I realized in high school, um, this is not working anymore. Um, when you're using something, when you're really good at doing something, um, it's really easy to use that thing, whatever it is, uh, to make you feel important and yeah. to validate you. And yeah. I used art that way. I used art. Uh, not some... <laughs> I enjoyed it too, but I, I more used it, and um, I was using it to make me feel important. And as long as I um, was around people that weren't as good as me, that worked really well. But then in high school, um, there was a, a guy uh, in high school named John Howarth, and dang it, he was a better artist than me. <laughs> and, he was, and he was popular. Houston, we have a problem, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't popular, um, and I, I've always been kind of a, at that point especially, a, a loner, kind of an introvert. Right. Um, and uh, uh, and I, I felt like, you know, I was getting my strokes from, from my artwork, but he was both popular and better than me. And mm -hmm. what are you going to do then? Yeah. Yeah. You know, my idol just got smashed mm. and I found that, um, I basically needed to, in a sense, um, repent of making my ability to create art, um, a God of mine. Wow. Um, uh, it blessed me as long as I was the very best. I worked hard and was the very best. But when I wasn't anymore, it it threw me out. Wow. And um, then I found a God that did not. Um, uh, I, I now um, find that feeling of validation and importance simply from the fact that there was a man who lived, who died for me. That's right. No one's done that. That's right. And, and no one can take that away. And you know what? That's not, that is not conditional on how well I do art, which means I'm totally freed up to just enjoy art. Um, and that's huge. That's, that's, that was such a gift. I, I can just enjoy art, which means that I can experiment, that I can make mistakes. Um, uh, nothing's on the line, right? Things on the line. I mean, I've I've taught I've taught um, classes, uh, kids and adults, um, people how to do um, are just basic oil paintings, and I could always tell the ones that would go somewhere with it, and it wasn't always the most talented ones. Sometimes the most talented ones were a real problem. I mean, I'd come over and take a look at at their work, and they're like, oh, no, 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 don't look, don't look at this, this mess, yours is so much better, and it's like... Yes, yeah, that perfectionism, right, that paralyzes, well, right? If, <laughs> supposed to, if mine wasn't supposed to be better than yours, you would be teaching me, and it's not that way. I don't expect yours to be better than mine. Right. I want to help you. Right. But it's like, it was, it was like, you know, everything was on the line, hmm. and I've been there, and it's horrible. And it's just not that way anymore. Um, whereas the ones that, um, you know, it, it was so refreshing to like go around and, and talk to someone who's like, eh, this is a mess. What did I do wrong? You know, and then we talk about it. And then, you know what? The next time, um, they very well may not make that same mistake. And 
So, so then you grow. So, and, and for me that, that all happened, um, uh, because I put art in its right place and found a God that validated me, not based on what I did, but based on, uh, what Jesus did on my behalf, that I'm accepted, that I give God pleasure is something that's not based on how well I do anything. Uh, that was secured for me because he had absolute pleasure in Christ's performance and I'm in Christ. That's so and good. Folks, just beat <laughs> me up to, you know, yeah, amen, pass the plate, we're done. That's right, that's right. Let's play the organ music softly now. It's <laughs> but that just frees me up to to just enjoy it and to explore and experiment. And I've... Uh, the the technique I use, I came up with. I invented it. There is no one else doing it. Um, and I could never have done that. I mean, the, the 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 comment I get over and over and over from people visiting my studio is, I've never seen anything like this before. And that would not be the case if I was doing this back when I was in high school when art was the god because it, I was I was focused on having to be great. Mm. best and now i don't care i just want to have fun and enjoy it and i do and as a result of nothing being on the line i've been able to boy that exploratory what's the word exploratory yeah yeah exploratory yeah. thank you <laughs> i've got that's so much a part of my personality it's let loose mm. and um you know when i when i get good at you know when i feel like okay i've nailed that then <laughs> I told you I, I think I had ADD. My mind starts like, okay, I'm bored now. What can I what can <laughs> what can I invent now? And I try something new, and sometimes it doesn't work. Um, and I end up taking it off the canvas and trying it again, or you know, trying it a different way until I get it. I think um, that's so beautiful, though, for all of us, because when we when we are secure in our identity in the Lord and how He's wired us, then we do have that freedom to not be paralyzed by performance and perfectionism and all that, but yeah, we yeah. can really explore all the things that he's put in our heart. And yeah. I know for me, when I was uh, making my living leading worship and back in the early 2000s, I went through a season where I lost my voice completely. I had a, um, oh my gosh. I had two opposing polyps on my vocal cords. And when I would talk, it would sound like this. I mean, it was just really, really bad. <laughs> And I had to have major surgery and get those removed and all that. And I remember thinking in the middle of that, is my singing career, my worship leading career over? And I remember the Lord asking me in the middle of that, you know, would you still worship me if you could never sing another note? And it was one of those moments, like you're saying, is like, Houston, we have a problem because this, yeah. this method of worship and this thing that has defined me, uh, has defined me and that's a problem. Yeah. And yeah. As, as soon as we can release that to the Lord and realize that, man, my job is not to perform for Jesus. My job is to see and agree with him to, to be who he's called me to be in freedom and in wholeness and uh, to follow his lead. And as I do that, I can make sure I can know that he's going to have my back in my provision, my ideas, my skill development, all of that. And yeah, I, I just, that's so good to hear from you because it's, it just reinforces that idea that we're not called to do things for God. We're called to do things with him 
uh, in that place of sonship. And it's just yeah, a, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it's a good thing it's that way because, um, I mean, otherwise, I was just thinking, like, what about the the Apostle Paul? You know, I mean, apparently he was really boring to listen to. And he was, I mean, something about him, like his eyes were oozing and kind of gross. I mean, he <laughs> talked about that, you know. And if <laughs> if it was all dependent on his performance, we would not still be familiar with the name Apostle Paul, but we are. Right. I, I think the Lord needs to, when we get to that place of, hey, this doesn't matter anymore, and what I do well doesn't uh, define me, Jesus does that, frees me up to do what um, what the Spirit leads me to do, um, not dependent on my own abilities and um, a, a lot of times uh, uh, my own personality, find, find myself stepping out and doing things that I, I think, I, man, I can't, I, I'm an introvert. I, I've just acted like an extrovert really well. And I actually, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I think of, of Paul and his appearance, his, his ability as a public speaker was apparently lacking. I mean, a guy fell asleep and fell out the window and died. Uh, <laughs> that's really boring. And just saying, just saying, you know, I mean, that's really boring. Um, but thank God it doesn't depend on our abilities. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Talk a little bit about your transition from being a hobbyist and then a serious hobbyist into taking the plunge, you know, mm -hmm. after you moved out of Phil's studio and then into your own studio. And then now, obviously, your wife works with you full time. I mean, so that's right. been a, mm -hmm. a huge transition. And I know so many artists out there listening you know, have this dream of, wow, I would love to ditch my job and be able to, you know, do yeah. what I do full time. But what are some of the, the real um, challenges and also some of the things that you've had to walk through that have made that possible and, and make it fruitful for you, not just make it something that you're scraping by with? Yeah, I think one of those things is um, rather than looking at art this is and this is going back a few years but rather than looking at art as as just a hobby i looked at doing art as a goal mm. always keeping that in the forefront what i was never quite sure how to get there but um always trying to figure it out um and uh i think that was one thing looking at it as a goal and um one of the ways that um uh that came into play was again finding a job that um let me work from home or uh let me have flexible hours or you know can i can i exist on a uh part-time job um uh you know or three-quarter time job something like that so that it gives me time to um to do my artwork um when when i was making a transition to going full-time I was working. Uh, I was working full time and painting about three hours a day. Mm. Um, and when I got to the place where I was selling, in I got to remember how this goes. When I got to the place, I'll probably mess this up. <laughs> when I was selling uh, the equivalent of half of what I made 
um, in a year, uh, uh, what I made uh, my uh, uh, my real job. Right. And I, when I sold, was uh, making enough on my, the sales of my artwork that it was equivalent to half of what I made. Then I cut down to, to half time, mm. which didn't seem. I mean, I could not have afforded to. Do, I would not have just done that um, because uh, at at that point in time, my wife wasn't working with me. She she was um, uh, she's at home. My my income was our family income. I was the sole supporter, so I couldn't just say, you know what, I want to follow my dream. I'm cutting cutting down to half time. That was not realistic, but that. Doing it this way made it feel like, well, I'm not being stupid because right. I'm I'm providing that way. And then, um, and then when I made the equivalent of um, uh, do, doing half time, doing working half time, and then doing um, artwork now like five hours a day, um, that that was a huge influx of time when I could be creating more paintings, more sales. And um, a, a year later, I was uh, uh, a- after a year of doing it half time. Um, I was making the equivalent of what I was making full time at my uh, regular job, yeah. um, selling artwork. So then I quit. That's and so that, good because I think it's scary it's that, at that point. Oh yeah, it is scary for everybody. I mean, it's like, ah, what am I no, going to do? That that was not scary to quit at that point because I knew. I was making enough doing the artwork um, that 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 wasn't a, I wasn't being stupid. Yeah. I wasn't being foolish. And I, you know, I, I do want to step out in faith, but I also don't want to be an idiot. Um, I, I think there's a there's a smart way of doing it and a realistic way. I mean, people can't just I couldn't just quit. Right. I, I had to know that I could pay my bills. Um, so I inched into it. <laughs> well, I like, think that's a kingdom principle too, though, that, you know, you're faithful with little and then he yeah. make you ruler over much. And yeah, yeah. Very I think good. that's what you're, what I'm seeing in your story. That's the same in my story is that, all right, I'm going to give you a little bit. Now, what are you going to do with it? And you take that thing and max it out. And then right. when, you, when you do like, okay, I can't do any more. Then the Lord's like, okay, take this step and then take that right. step. And so many people are looking, I think for the, the final vision to happen immediately. And it's like, no, it, it happens in these little incremental steps along the way. Yeah. Oh, if you, if you want it immediately, you'll be discouraged so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's like me going to the gym, you know, why can't I look like this guy over here after two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. That's you know? right. That's right. <laughs> well, <laughs> takes more than two weeks. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, has there been, um, just in your journey, uh, a habit or a couple of habits that you've practiced along the way? Like for me, for example, I'm a big journaler. So every morning I've got that time I'm journaling, you know, that's right out of Julia Cameron artist way, you know, morning pages. And right. I write about that in unlocking the heart of the artist, just taking that time to kind of dump in the mornings and get your mindset. Are there things like that that you've done along the way that are really, life-giving habits for you that uh, sustain you in your journey? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, journaling is not one of them for me. Um, I love writing, but I, I just don't journal. Um, but uh, I think one thing would be, um, one habit would be, and I kind of alluded to this before, never stopping um, 
exploring and playing. Mm. I mean, really, that's I'm I'm not an accountant, okay? I don't have to take life too seriously. I'm an artist, so I get to play. Right. If I'm not playing, then my art's going to be really boring. <laughs> uh, people can people can tell if you're having a blast creating your artwork. I really I really believe that. Um, so that's that that joy that you get in in I mean honestly sometimes I get done with the painting I love this when when this happens um you get done with the painting and stand back and look at it and and when you when the thought hits you my gosh you are beautiful <laughs> you know and it, it's like I that's how I felt when I when I held my my children for the first time oh my gosh how was I involved in this you are beautiful you know that's such a that's such a cool thing, and the thing is, I think that's 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 perceivable. Mm. I, I really do that. That's perceivable. The other thing that I do is, um, yeah, I mean, I I, I tell people to um, uh, to me uh, creating artwork, whether it's painting or drawing or weaving baskets or poetry or um, you know creative writing or dancing or whatever it is that's a creative outlet that's like exhaling hmm. it's 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 expressing yourself if you're not inhaling then you're not going to be exhaling very much that's so good so you have to inhale and for me um one habit i've been in for the last several years is reading scripture first thing in the morning uh, as soon as i get out of the shower i'm reading my bible and i i i was doing this in high school and college and it's i'm telling you the way i do it now is completely different than i did back then when i was doing it back then when i was much more of a uh well i didn't realize i was a pharisee but i, I really <laughs> uh gosh i was a good person um uh but i I was back then I was reading the Bible and it's like, okay, um, 15 minutes. Okay. And then, uh, what's next on my agenda? Yeah. And yeah. you know, I was right off to the next thing, but Matt, if, if like you and I were friends and I said, you know, I'd like to call you once a day if that's okay. And at, at the end of 10 or 15 minutes, I said, okay, 15 minutes. I'll talk to you tomorrow. It's great talking to you. Um, I got that off my list and on to the next thing now. If that's, if that's all it was, wouldn't it kind of strike you as, you know, dude, why are you doing, why are you doing this? You know, I mean, if you don't want to spend time with me, then you don't have to, but if you want to spend time with me, why are you keeping your eye on the clock? It it feels like this is just something you feel for some reason, like you got to do to check off the list. Mm. Now I look, and that's really how I looked at reading the Bible. Now I, I look at it as I think in pictures. So it's like, you know how you felt on Thanksgiving um, day at about, I don't know about you, but we usually ate at five 30, how you felt at five o'clock if you ate at five 30 and your mom has given you like half the normal lunch, that you usually get. So you're absolutely starving and you're sitting down at the table and finally, you know, uh, uh, uncle Clarence finishes his prayer. That was like way too long. (laughs) And you're like, come on, amen already. And you finally get to dig in. And just that, 
ah, that feel, that first bite, you know, that's how I view reading the Bible every day. And it, and it, I, I don't start until I remind myself of that. Yeah. And I don't stop until I feel sated. Yeah. I, I just don't. That's good. Um, so that's a very different thing than, okay, um, I've, uh, I've got that off my list. I think uh, for all of us, we've got to know what are those things that feed us? What are the things that yeah, feed yeah. our soul and yeah. what are the things that feed us yeah. creatively? You know, I call it filling your creative well, you know, because yeah. otherwise you get to the studio and you got nothing, right? <laughs> so, right. And the other, thing I, the other thing I do that's very much related to that is um, I walk to the studio. It's uh, three miles there and three miles back. But that is such a decompression time for me. It's wonderful. And Joy and I go hiking on almost all our days off uh, that we can. Um, and that's also um, such a life-giving thing uh uh, for for me, so these are all things that yeah. um, I, I think would probably vary from person to person, um, but uh, I think everybody probably wouldn't have to think very hard to come up with those life giving things that they do that they just really enjoy that fills them back up. Yeah, well, I think it, again, like just to echo what you're saying, it's not that art is just something that we do, but it really is an expression of our whole life, and you've yeah. got to have a full, beautiful life and be able to express that freely. Um, you know, otherwise you're just going down a list, whether it's creating yeah. art or with the Lord or whatever it is. And, yeah. Um, well, man, this has been so encouraging. I know as people are listening, they're being encouraged by your journey. I want to encourage everybody to go to stclairart.com and see Stephen's work. Also, you can do that on Instagram, uh, just at St. Clair art and check him out there on Facebook and, uh, buy his work, encourage him, get to know him. And uh, Stephen, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, man. Absolutely. This was fun. Thanks. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me today on the podcast. Listen, I hope it's been a huge encouragement to you on your journey as an artist. Hey, also, before you leave, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the other episodes of the Thriving Christian Artist Podcast. And also, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or at my website, which is matttommymentoring.com. Until next time, remember, you were created to thrive. Bye-bye.